Hey friends, I hope you're all doing well and staying as safe and healthy and comfortable as possible. I also hope you're taking care of yourselves and the people and plants and animals that are important to you. If you're listening to this episode of the show the week it was released, well, first of all, if you celebrate Christmas, I hope you had a good Christmas. But, in addition to this being the first show after the Christmas holiday, it's also the last show of 2020, and New Year's Day 2021 will mark the third anniversary of the People Are the Enemy podcast. This show is three years old this week. Longtime listeners of People Are the Enemy, thank you so much for continuing to listen to this program. If you're a brand new listener to People Are the Enemy, hello, welcome. I'm the host of this podcast. My name is Andy Mascola. I sincerely hope you decide to subscribe to this show and listen regularly. I honestly believe you'll find something to love. We haven't had a lot of guests in the last couple months, but I do love talking with interesting people. Uh, Sometimes we do a, a funny bit. Sometimes I'll read you a story. And sometimes it's just me talking about recent things that happened in my life or just stuff I've been thinking about. There are no ads on People Are the Enemy, and there's no Patreon set up for this podcast. What I would like to let you know, however, is that I am a published novelist with currently eight books available for purchase worldwide via Amazon in both paperback and ebook formats. If you don't use Amazon, you can find most of my stories in paperback format at barnesandnoble.com. I write in a variety of genres, including literary fiction, suspense, horror... Uh, My latest novel is titled Where Are You Now, Randy Dow, and is definitely the most heartwarming and funny book I've written. Paperback copies of my books are between $9 and $10 U.S. Of course, just like anything being sold on the internet, there are independent sellers trying to get way more money for my books, so if you only want to pay the equivalent of $9 or $10 U.S., make sure to click on my name in Amazon. After you search for it, obviously, because that will take you to my author page, and you won't have to maneuver around independent sellers who may be asking for a lot more money than what my books retail for. If you've already purchased any or all of my books, thank you, thank you, thank you. I sincerely appreciate your patronage. And with all that out of the way, here's the quirky theme song. enemy listeners this is episode 153 of the people are the enemy podcast thank you so much for checking it out thank you for spending time with me holy cow i appreciate it thank you thank you thank you holy moly i hope you guys are doing okay i hope you had a good holiday if you do like i said in the intro if you do celebrate christmas i hope it was a good christmas it was strange uh, again, I, I suppose similar to Thanksgiving, where where we didn't have any family around. You know, I had a Zoom call with my father and his girlfriend, and I, I talked to to some family members who are um, out of state uh, on the phone. 
But uh, other than that, it was a, it was a very very low key affair. My wife my wife worked on Christmas. She was she was at work at six a.m. on Christmas Day and um, and worked uh, until the afternoon. So it was just my daughter and I. And I I spent most of the Christmas Day, you know, reading, uh, playing uh, with with our dog. And making baked potatoes, which I, I I enlisted the help of my daughter with. It was the only thing I was tasked with. That when my wife left, she gave me a bag of four potatoes, and she said, "Just figure out how to make these." And in all honesty, it's something I had never done. I had never. I'm almost embarrassed to tell you. I'm I'm in my mid forties. I've never made a baked potato. Uh, but <laughs> she said she said figure out how to make these baked potatoes and just make the baked potatoes. So I, I said uh, to my daughter, I said, okay, uh, why don't you look it up and we'll follow whatever recipe we find online. And uh, sure enough, uh, she found a recipe pretty easily. And uh, about all I took care of was the, the washing, uh, scrubbing the baked potatoes, because you have to clean them, obviously. And then uh, she, she took care of the rest as far as poking holes in them and, and seasoning them. And then, and then I took care of the, uh, the putting the baked potatoes on the, uh, on the oven tray and taking them in and out of the oven, because obviously that could be a little precarious when you've got four full-size baked potatoes on one oven tray, but uh, it all worked out okay, and the baked potatoes came out good, but uh, yeah, it's it's not something that I uh, that I had ever done before, but I understand it's, it's a very easy procedure. Obviously, anybody who's made a baked potato knows that, so I'm a little embarrassed to tell you, but I, I don't keep anything from my listeners. New listeners will find out. I, I'm very honest, embarrassingly so, to, uh, to, at some points. Um... Jeez, you know, I was saying, I was reading over the uh, over the Christmas holiday. Uh, I finished a Malcolm Gladwell book. And th this book I'd, I'd had for a year. The book was actually, my father had given it to me last Christmas. And he'd inscribed it. It's kind of, I suppose, embarrassing to have a book for a year and not, not have read it. But I, I do read a lot. And what, what seems to happen is, you know, I'll, I'll get books and I'll, I'll put them in a, in a certain order. And then what will happen is, as the year goes along, I'll find other books, uh, or somebody will loan me something, or, or maybe a, a brand new book I'll hear about that our library has, and I'll, I'll be able to get it for like a, a two-week period because it's brand new or something, and, and I'll, it'll jump the line, so to speak, in my reading queue. So then, then the book kind of gets pushed down further and further down the list. Anyway, I, I'd finished this Malcolm Gladwell book called Talking to Strangers. I don't, I don't know if you know Malcolm Gladwell. He's basically like this, uh, he's a journalist, but uh, his books are all kind of sociological, where he does these deep dives into real-life um, events and, and, uh, and people. Sometimes they're like profiles on people. And in this book, Talking to Strangers, it was all about sort of, uh, you know, how we, how we tend to interact with people that we don't know, you know. And the, the, the initial example was, um, uh, was Neville Chamberlain, right, who was uh, uh, Prime Minister of England, you know, back in the, uh, I think, the late 30s, right? And, uh, and he, he had heard about this fella, Adolf Hitler, so you know who Adolf Hitler is, you know, and how uh, Adolf Hitler was was gaining power in Germany, and Neville Chamberlain uh, uh, to 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 tr attempt to quell the the fears of 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 his countrymen uh, in that uh, they, they the the big fear was that Adolf Hitler would invade Czechoslovakia and and start a world war. Uh, decided to meet with Adolf Hitler, and and when he did, you know, he had this uh, this good impression of this person, you know, because uh, I guess Adolf Hitler, uh, when meeting with Neville Chamberlain, was affable and shook his hand with two hands. Somehow they made a big deal out of the two 
you know, the two-handed handshake, and then he signed something that said that he wouldn't invade Czechoslovakia, but I think like a month after Neville Chamberlain came back to England and said, look, everybody, you know, I, I was able to meet with Adolf Hitler, and he's not such a bad guy, and he signed this proclamation that he wouldn't uh, he wouldn't invade Czechoslovakia. A month later, he invaded Czechoslovakia. Anyway, the, the, the point is that, like, you know, you, you get a sense of a person um, in, in, in some respects you know, firsthand, maybe in person, and, and they're, they're, they're not all, they're always what they're cracked up to be. So it, it, it also talked a lot about, it wrapped the whole story around the Sandra Bland case. I don't know if you know about that. That was the woman uh, from Texas, African-American woman who got pulled over in Texas by a Caucasian police officer for a minor uh, driving infraction and um, had a, had a terrible interaction with this, this, this policeman. And she was put in, in jail, and five days after she had been in jail, she, she committed suicide. Yeah. So, not to give anything away, but there's a, the, he, kind of, he kind of begins, begins his, the book with, with, with the Neville Chamberlain story, then talks a bit about the Sandra Bland story, and ends with the Sandra Bland story. <clears throat> in between, though, he, he, he analyzes all sorts of cases, like the Amanda Knox case. I don't know if you remember that one. Jerry Sandusky, I'm sure you, I'm sure you're aware of that one, the Sandusky case. Um, that Larry Nasser case, that fellow that was like the the gymnast, um, who was the the gymnast doctor. But uh, yeah, fascinating book, and not one I would have normally picked out. I, I'd only read one other Malcolm Gladwell book, and that was um, that was uh, uh, what the dog saw. I think is what it was called. Was it called what the dog saw? Yeah, I think it was called what the dog saw. I get it confused with another one. There's another book that has dog in the title another more recent book, but I'm fairly certain Malcolm Gladwell's book, What the Dog Saw, was the one I'd read previously. I don't read a lot of his stuff. My father reads all of his stuff, and he got this book for me, uh, Talking to Strangers, and it turned out I really, really loved it a lot more than I thought I would. Really good stuff. If you're if you're into that sort of thing, that deep dive analytical, analytical kind of looking at social social situations and uh, kind of picking them apart and figuring out why things happened the way they did. That's, that's exactly, that's exactly what that, uh, that book detailed. And uh, interesting, interesting. Anyways, uh, leading up to the holidays, I, you know, they took all our information from work. This is kind of a funny story. They, they took all this information from us from work. They said, um, they said, hey, let us know where your local sandwich shop is. Or let us know where your, um, the address and, and the, uh, the phone number for your local sandwich shop. And let us know, let us know, like, what your favorite sandwich is. So I, I kept thinking to myself, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a sandwich. I bet, uh, you know, why would they take this information from me? My superiors, you know, take all this information from um, all, all our team. And we're all working remotely right now, of course, given the circumstances. You know, and I shouldn't say, of course, you know, a lot of folks are, are going into an office. My wife, obviously, as I mentioned, does go into a job. But uh, but my job my my job is an office job in a cubicle, and they they did send all of us home last March. So they took all of our information. They said, you know, give us your your, your local sandwich place or, or sub shop, um, and and uh, tell us what you like to get there, and uh, give us the uh, the contact information for that place. So so I I assumed, and I, I I guess my my colleagues must have assumed the same thing that like oh they're gonna get us all lunch one day, and that'll be it'll show up. And and I am not. I am not the kind of person that's used to getting things delivered. We never, we never, we never get delivery. And I, I think it's probably more so if only because uh, the, the places that we like to, to, to frequent as far as, as food aren't, aren't too far. You know, they're usually a 10, 15 minute drive away. And it's just easier to just, just go there and pick it up, you know. And I, I don't mind doing that. And, uh, 
And, uh, and, uh, that's how we've, we've done things. So I, I didn't know how to phrase it. And I, I kept telling my wife, I said, I said, I'm excited because I think, I think, I think my company's going to mail me a sandwich. And, uh, she said, Andy, no one's going to mail you a sandwich. Why would you eat a sandwich that you got in the mail? And I said, I said, no, no, you know what I mean? Like they took all our information and they got it. They're going to, they're going to send me a sandwich. They're going to send it in the mail. And I, and uh, she said, Andy, they don't, they don't mail sandwiches. They, they deliver them. And I, oh, okay. <laughs> I kept saying mail. Is, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't know if it might, it's just, just the way it looked. Like, I, again, it's just something that I'm not used to, I suppose, you know, just again, getting something delivered. And, and of course I knew they delivered. Of course I knew they wouldn't, you know, mail a sandwich. I'm being facetious when I say that I expected them to mail it. But I honestly... I honestly kept using that phrase, and I didn't even think it was. It, it sounded ridiculous until until she kind of pointed out that yeah, yeah, you know, Andy, most people do, or a lot of people do get delivery, especially given the circumstances. It turns out nobody uh, delivered me a sandwich or mailed me a sandwich, dude. And uh, I, I I brought this up at work. I said, hey, what happened? They, you guys took all our information, and we we never got a we never got a sandwich. And they said, oh yeah, that just didn't work out. And uh, you know, they gave me uh, an excuse. Oh, maybe we'll use that information in the future, et cetera, et cetera. So it was, it was kind of a, a disappointment. But what are you going to do, right? You know, you beggars can't be choosers, right? But uh, but they, they were gracious. Uh, my company was gracious. They let me go early. They let us, uh, a lot of the team, go early on Christmas Eve, which was nice. I used that extra time to take the dog for a walk. That was nice. I got some, as I said, got some reading done on, on uh, over the Christmas weekend. I went to... Um, Oh, man, I'll tell you what. I went the day after Christmas to to the Goodwill near my mom's house. Like I had to go there. I mean, obviously Christmas was on a Friday this year, and I described it as I, you know, as I, I told you what happened. It was just my daughter and I, basically, you know, um, on Christmas Day while while my wife was working. But the next day, I had to go to my mother's because I I help out my mother every other weekend. I I um, I I make her bed and I I scrub her tub. And I open things for her. She's got severe arthritis in, in her forearms. And she has um, um, very, um, uh, shoot, I'm just, how do I put this? Like, her articulation in her hands isn't isn't very good. You know, she can she can hold things and she can grip a, st a driving, a steering wheel rather, and drive her car. And, 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 and obviously, you know, um, she doesn't have a problem uh, with self-care as far as, as far as ablutions and whatnot. But, but as far as like taking like the, a sheet and like wrapping it over the corner of her bed, for instance, you know, because of the elastics, you know, that, that she's, she's unable to do. And of course, like getting, like getting down and like scrubbing a bathtub, you know, and, and really putting pressure on it. It's not something she's able to do. So every other weekend I go over to her house and I, I help her with these things. And every time I leave there, I always stop at this goodwill that's um, that's a, at the end of at the end of a street that she lives off of. And uh, I go there because uh, I love collecting records and I love uh, collecting books. And uh, a lot of times, I'm not the kind of person who always has to leave with something. If I if I walk into a place and don't find anything interesting, I have no problem walking out. I'm not one of those those people that feels like, well, I'm here. I've been here for 20 minutes. I. I, I can't just uh, uh, just leave without buying anything. I never feel that kind of pressure. I have no problem walking out. So what I always do, and, and it's not a lot of vinyl. They have maybe like, you know, like maybe like a say like five milk crates size worth of of uh, bins of vinyl, if you can picture that. You know, maybe a little bit bigger than than a milk crate. You know, these wooden bins to go through the vinyl. And a lot of times you'll go and, or rather, I'll go and and. Uh, 
and it'll be the same records again and again and again. And it's a lot of a lot of stuff that uh, you see repeatedly. A lot of um, classical music, uh, which I don't necessarily collect. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of um, shoot, man, like easy listening, I suppose. Uh, artists, you know, like Nat King Cole or Eddie Arnold or. Sometimes you see Dean Martin records, and there are a lot of a lot of older stuff. Uh, needless to say, and sometimes you find some classic rock. That's pretty cool, you know. I've I've had some luck with that. Um, but <clears throat> this time, and again, this is the day after Christmas. I had I had significant luck. I I was able to 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 find uh, David Bowie's Scary Monsters, which uh, which I I didn't have, and I thought, well, I'd, I'd love to have that album. There's some great great tracks on there, uh, and I found that I found uh, Devo's New Traditionalist album, which is you know, considered an okay Debo album. It's again, it's something I didn't have, and uh, I thought, well, it'd be nice to have a Debo album at all on vinyl because uh, it's from obviously, you know, that uh, that that uh, you know the early '80s period uh, Debo, and I thought that, that you know that was that's kind of cool. I'll, I'll pick that up. So I got that new traditionalist. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the last thing I found was, um, and I purchased Beastie Boys' License to Ill. Yeah, I, I think I've had the Beastie Boys' License to Ill in almost every. Every format. I, I initially had it on cassette as a uh, as a young person, and I, I wore that thing out. You know, that's that would sit in my Walkman in the mid '80s, and I would uh, flip that tape over and over and over again. I I, I wore it out. You know, and then uh, I had it. I don't know if I had it on CD, but I had like a digital copy. I think I got it from like maybe the library or something like that, and I had it on my iPod, and I would listen to it that way. And uh, but I never owned it on vinyl, and to find it like in a vinyl, and, and if you can picture that vinyl, License to Ill, if you can picture the cover, you know it's got the the plane that's crashed into the side of the mountain, but it's really, it's really supposed to be a joint. You know I don't know if you knew that, but uh, take a look at it. If you look at that plane that's crashed, it's it's really when you you look at the whole picture, it's a mashed out joint essentially, but it's made to look like an airplane. And anyways, it's a gatefold, which is sweet. You know you that means you open it up. That's what they call that for for those who who don't uh, who don't collect records. <clears throat> when you can open both sides of the record up, and there's a big photo of the Beastie Boys inside, this big beautiful color photo, and then uh, and then of course there's the vinyl, and the vinyl was in really good shape, and uh, and it, it had the uh, the dust dust cover on it, you know the um, the paper uh, over the uh, over the vinyl itself, which was in fairly good condition. There was a couple spots where it wasn't connected, but. But hey, it's uh, it's well, it's I, that album's about thirty five years old, so you know it's it's old. It's, and then here's an original print. It was nice, so it was a nice find, and I felt really, really uh, uh, excited about finding this, especially so cheap. You know, records at Goodwill are two dollars a piece, so it was it was very inexpensive. So I took them home and I cleaned them out uh, in the sink. I usually just run them in the sink over cold water, you know, just over the over the vinyl areas, and then I. I let them dry. A lot of folks will tell you that's not the way to do things. A fellow was asking me this weekend about that. He said, you, you know, how do you clean your vinyl? And I said, well, I, you know, I, a lot of people will tell you this isn't the thing to do, but the way I've always done it and what has worked for me is just, just running like a, a stream of cold water in the sink and then basically just tilting the record on an angle and kind of rotating the record slowly under the, uh, under the stream of water. And then, and then, and then either letting it dry or just patting it down lightly with a with a paper towel. You know that's worked for me. A lot of folks will say that 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 running water over over the vinyl like just pushes the dust further into the grooves. 
I, I don't know. My experience has been that 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 doing this way, I, I it looks cleaner and and, and usually I, if if so long as there's no deep scratches in in the vinyl already, um, it usually plays great, you know. And that that that's what I did with these records. That was fun. I, I also went to I should mention this. I went to to uh this fellow took me to this collectibles store in the town next to us. He said, and I'm not going to tell the name of the place because if only because. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be critical because I'm I, I I suppose when it comes to record collecting because I've been doing so long it's gonna come off as snobbish okay I'm warning you ahead of time but <clears throat> but he took me to this place and I appreciated what he was doing and I'm gonna have some water here because I've been going about twenty minutes already here <clears throat> now I'm a little dry pardon me folks okay anyway so so my friend says you know. There's this this cool cool collectible place, and he said he had, they have records, he has stereo equipment, anything you can imagine. It's in this guy's shop, and I said, "Cool, I'd love to check it out." And he said, "Well, let's go do it." So, so um, we go in his car, we drive to this to this place, and it's like on a farm, and it's basically like like the the bottom of a building on a farm. I don't know. This kind of sounds weird, but it looks like it looked like the building might have been at one time like sort of like a mill like a mill building or something if you can picture that and so so we walk through this door on the side of the building and inside this guy has just tons and tons of stuff from like floor to ceiling and of course there's this one room all dedicated to vinyl and he's got you know just like any you know used record shop it's he's got all the 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 the, the good quality stuff that's collectible on the walls you know and then he's got everything else in bins, and some bins are marked like $5, you know, for the um, records that aren't necessarily as popular or maybe has a ton of copies of, you know, or just more more common. And then there's some better stuff that he's got in bins that are in plastic, some stuff that's sealed. And, and yeah, he had a pretty decent collection there. He, had, he collected a lot of stuff. There was there was a lot of Beach Boys stuff. He was really into the Beach Boys. And it was a significant number of Beach Boys albums there. And and uh, there was he had one copy of Pet Sounds, and he was asking $100 for this copy of Pet Sounds. And it, it looked like I, I saw it on the wall. It was behind the counter. And uh, and he said, yeah, I'm a big Beach Boys fan. So I started talking to, with him about music, and I thought, oh, I'll pick this guy's brain. He said, were you looking for anything in particular? And I said, um, I said yeah, I, th I, th I thought, you know, if I could find a Scott Walker album, one of Scott Walker's... Uh, uh, you know, first four albums on vinyl, that would be pretty cool. And he said, who? And I thought, this guy runs a record shop and he doesn't know who Scott Walker is. So, and again, maybe that's the snob in me. Sorry. Anyway, so I said, oh, um, and I'm polite. I'm not going to say, you know, you, you don't know who Scott Walker is. I just said, oh, Scott Walker, he was one of the Walker brothers. And um, he put out all these albums in the late 60s, 70s. He said, no, I, I don't know who that is. And I said, oh, okay. I said, um, and so I thought about, I thought about this question that Sharpling recently asked, Tom Sharpling, The Best Show, asked on Twitter. He said, who's your favorite American band? And of course he got all these answers. So, so I asked the guy, and the guy, mind you, he looks like maybe he's in his early 30s, about there. And uh, again, he's running a, a collectible shop with a significant amount of records. And I say, I say, who's who's your favorite American band? And again, pardon me, my snobbery is going to come out here. Okay. So he said, oh, my favorite American band. Oh, wow, that's a tough question. Mm -mm. He's thinking, he's thinking. And this is the guy who runs the shop. This is his place. And he goes, he goes, I'd have to say Pantera. I was like, Pantera. 
I'm sorry. If you love Pantera, if if you love Pantera, it's fine. Pantera is a perfectly fine band. To, to be to be like a record collector and running a vinyl shop, and and, and you're asking who your favorite American band is. It's not. It's not an answer you expect to hear. That's all okay because. And again, maybe this is me projecting, but I suppose I, I assume that that because I'm a record snob who's in a in a, in a record shop, I, I assume it's going to be run by a bigger record snob than me. I didn't laugh at the guy. I said, "Okay, all right, interesting." You know, so we're talking for a little bit, and um, and he said, "Was there anything else you were looking for?" And I said, um, "I said, yeah." I said, "You know, I didn't I didn't see a whole lot of European stuff in your collection here. Do you, do you have any craft work?" And he said. I have one Kraftwerk album, and I'm thankful he knew Kraftwerk was, you know, and he said, I have one Kraftwerk album, it's at home, it's a promotional, blah, blah, blah. He said, I might be willing to part with it. He said, you, you might check back with me, et cetera, et cetera. And he said, anything else you can think of? This is, this is the kicker right here, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and I said, yeah, you know, I, the, the other band I didn't see in there, because I'm thinking, like, a lot of his stuff is, is uh, domestic, meaning it's all, you know, American stuff. And there was a lot of indie stuff in there. Excuse me. I shouldn't say a lot. There was a you know there was a, a a fair amount of indie stuff in there, but again, mostly American. So I said, "Oh, well, uh, you know, I you know your collection fairly well." And he said, "Yeah, I know my inventory fairly well." And I said, uh, "I said, do you have any guided by voices?" He said, "Who?" And I was like, "Oh my God, this guy doesn't know who guided by voices are." Holy crap, holy, I'm thinking to myself. And I'm just looking at him straight. I'm like, oh. I said, oh, it's a, a band out of Ohio. And I want to say they've been making music and putting out albums since for about 35 plus years. Every year they put out two or three. You should know who they are. And I'm like, ah! you know, I'm just making myself mental. I'm like, okay. I, I'm just looking at myself, Andy, just relax. This is obviously, you know, this guy, you know, he's got a very, very... Um, pedestrian knowledge of <laughs> of music and that's you have to accept that and it's okay that it's all right he can run a record store and have a very pedestrian especially a, a record store in a small new hampshire town <laughs> you can't expect this guy to have you know crazy crazy music knowledge so i i just say uh, you know and i give him a very brief i just say oh they're this band from ohio i make it sound as if it's not a you know it's not like and i didn't say they've been around for 35 years and they put out over 100 albums you know <laughs> I wasn't going to do that to this guy, so I was just like, you know, I was, you know. But again, forgive me if I'm if, if if this comes off as snobbish. I apologize, okay? I apologize. I'm just this is this is my passion, and when I'm in a place where a person is supposedly who, who shares this passion, and it and doesn't know these things, it it was a bit uh, jarring and and felt um, and I, I felt like a, like a undeserving, if, and and maybe that's uh, maybe that's wrong of me to say because i'm sure he had knowledge of a lot of other wonderful things that i didn't have knowledge of he he had a lot of stereo knowledge you know what i mean he was talking about a tracks for a bit and again this is a guy in his early 30s but so maybe his 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 knowledge was more technological right more more music uh music uh uh um um components you know <clears throat> and speaking of music i wanted to i wanted to play this for you guys because <laughs> i heard this song uh i mean i've heard this song a million times but i heard it I heard it recently, and I was like, I started looking up the lyrics for it, and I was like, "This is weird." I'm gonna play it for you now. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna play it for you. You'll recognize it immediately, but just, 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 just humor me here, okay? Here, here we go. I'm gonna just do a little analysis with you. I think you might think this is cute. Here we go.
okay, okay. All right, you, you guys get that? You, you know the song, first of all, okay? It's Bruce, if you, for those who don't know, it's Bruce Springsteen, Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Uh, but uh, I just uh, I just noticed this when hearing the song recently this past week. I, I thought, like, boy, Bruce Springsteen's band is, uh, they don't know what, what season of year it is? They don't... <laughs> Let me play that for you one more time. Hang on a second. <laughs> this is making me laugh. Sorry. Again, humor me with this, okay? Alright, listen listen to the listen to the uh, the, the build up here. Time. Yeah. You guys all, you guys all been good and practicing real hard. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe practicing too hard. Bruce has kept them locked up. They have no idea what season it is. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, I bet this. I'm sure DJs have done this bit. I know DJ. I've heard DJs like uh, um, do um, parodies of the the uh, Bruce Springsteen intro to Santa Claus is Coming to Town. I don't know if a DJ's ever made fun of that or if a podcaster. I'm sure they have, and I apologize if I'm ripping somebody off or if if you've heard this somewhere else before. But I don't know. To me, it just struck me as funny, and I. Uh, uh, anyway, anyway, I, I, I uh, that's that's pretty much all I got for you. Do you have anything else? Yeah, you want to hear something gross? I didn't shower for like three days. <laughs> that's pretty gross, right? I just you know I got I got. I was busy with other things, you know, and I was just like, I, I, you know, my wife came home one night and she says, why does it smell like hot dogs in here? And I thought, oh, geez, I think that's me. But I just said, oh, you know, I don't know. I don't know why that is. And of course, I don't eat meat. So why would I be cooking hot dogs? I immediately took a shower. OK, that's vile. Sorry. I'm sorry. I, I know it's gross. OK, I have showered. OK, and I am clean. And, uh, and, and, and what else can I tell you guys? Is there anything else to talk about? Uh, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. I, I, I hope you're doing okay. I hope you have a great New Year's. Holy crap, 2020, it's out the window, thank goodness. And, uh, 2021, we're gonna try to make it great, right? And, and, and thank you so much for listening to this podcast and, 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 and uh, supporting the show. And, uh, if you, if you bought a book, fantastic. Thank you so much for doing that. I really appreciate it. If you bought all my books, wow, holy moly, thank you so, so much. Anyway, uh, this is episode. This has been episode 153 of the People Are the Enemy podcast. Our theme song is Walrus Love by Nokia Ocean. You can find that song and more at pizzapuppies.bandcamp.com. My name is Andy Mascola. You can purchase my novels via Amazon and other online book retailers in both paperback and ebook formats for as little as $1.99. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. We love you. Peace.